Welcome to The Read Along. A mini book club for your ears. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at at a time. time. Do you like talking about movies? Do you like talking about mediocre movies? Do you like talking about how you could have fixed mediocre movies? Well, I certainly do, and you can listen to me, Scott C. Bourgeois, along with my co-hosts Greg Beaver and Liam Kreswick, as we give our notes, and I have some notes. You can follow it now on your podcatcher of choice, or support it by visiting patreon.com slash I have some notes. It's nice to be busy, but sometimes you're like so busy that it's quite exhausting. The reason it's nice to be busy is because you appreciate the lull afterwards all the more. Well, yeah, but I mean, also, there's something to be said about being so not busy that it's exhausting. Oh, yes. I've had the the longest work days I've ever had are the ones where you purposely have nothing to do or the thing you have to do is not very engaging. Yeah. Those days are long and exhausting. Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of six of one and half a dozen of the other often because there's a point where you're so not busy that you're exhausted and there's points where you're so busy that you're exhausted. Yeah. It's, uh, you, too... it's hard to find the middle ground. Yeah, the extremes on two ends there. Yeah, I bring it up because we just came out of a very busy weekend and I'm, I'm actually a little tired from it. <laughs> Fair enough. It was a busy weekend. Yeah. yeah not unpleasant, but like... The kind of busy where at the end of it, you're like, I'm I'm glad that's over. Yeah, I'm, I, had I would good, like to sit down now. <laughs> yeah, I had a good time doing it. Look at how productive I was. Look at all the things we did. Look at all the fun we had. I would like to lie down. <laughs> yeah, so, but pretty light week this week overall. All oh, things I hope considered. so. Maybe that'll help us recharge the batteries a bit. Woo. You know what else helps recharge your batteries? Settling down with a good book? Sure. Yeah. That definitely helps. And that's what we did this week for a very short chapter. But before we get into that... A brief recap of our previous chapter, chapter 10 of our novel, in which Mallory and Diana and Cornelia all head to the club to see their friends play their music. Yes. And uh, while they're there, they have a mixed sort of time. (laughs) Well, the band is very good. Yeah, and the drinks are enjoyable. Yes. But some suspicious characters are milling about. A fight nearly breaks out. And then, it seems, filthy... Murther. <laughs> and that's what leads us into Perimortem 2 of The Undetectables by Courtney Smith. Okay, I want to start by saying this is not okay. I did not, I did not appreciate this. This hurt a little. Yeah, because you liked Ben. I liked Ben. Okay. Ben is dead. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and it sucks. Spoiler alert, Ben has died. I know we only met Ben a few chapters ago. Yeah. But I liked him. I liked his introduction. I liked his character. I'd kind of hoped he would stick around. Uh, and then he got killed off. Yeah, he's been murdered. Yeah. This is, I'm not okay. This is not okay. He is the second victim of our serial killer, the Whistler. And basically, very similar events to what happened to Edward Custer. I wouldn't say very similar. I would say that there are similarities that are obvious. The method of murder 
yes. is the same, obviously, obviously, but it functions very similar is what I mean by the the similarities ah, between okay, the two. Okay. Um, in that as he's making his way off stage, the fights just happened involving Felix and Beckett. And he's gone backstage. His mind has already kind of slid off of the events that just happened. Um, he's really focused on having that first drink of water after getting he off stage. He is so he's, thirsty. He is so thirsty. He's unbelievably thirsty. He can almost like feel the crunch of the ice in his teeth. And that's the point where he bites off his tongue. Yep. And dies. Yep. <laughs> um, and along the way, we also discover that the uh, the magic, whatever this whistle magic that's affecting him is, also carves the symbol on him. Yes. Like from the inside out. Yes. It carves its way out so, and then goes on its way. I have... Oh, I have thoughts. I have notes and thoughts. It was a super short chapter. It was two pages long. Yep. But we've learned some things. Definitely. Right? Which is very good. But specifically, one of the thing, key things I think we learned is uh, how the carving appeared on Custer. Yes. How, yeah. the, how the spell actually does its... Well, not how it does its thing, but what it does to its yeah. victims. It wasn't right? It wasn't something that the killer came and did after the fact. The magic itself did all of that effect and then like made yes. its way out. Yes, yeah. exactly. So now we know that, although our undetectables don't. No, not at present. Uh, my guess is they'll figure it out. They seem to. Well, at some point, yeah. So we've now had an apparent and a fairy have been murdered. So we know he's not sticking to one uh, particular demographic. No. If you will, yeah. right? This is something I find really interesting. Uh, Custer was killed in his own bedroom mm-hmm. and remained undiscovered for roughly a week. Whereas Ben is in a crowded club. Ben is in a crowded club. This murder is going to be discovered immediately. It was discovered immediately. Langdon went to go and find, but specifically at the end of the last chapter said, I'm going to go find Ben. And then shortly thereafter, they're screaming. We can assume Langdon found Ben. Yes. But what that tells me is that either our killer is a safe distance away already, or isn't that afraid about getting caught? Well, the magic is very subtle, so it's very possible the killer doesn't expect that they're going to get caught. Mm-hmm. Because again, it's it's the whistle noise. Yeah. It's some, the, the musical element of it is somehow ingrained in the magic. Yeah, so it's, absolutely. And it seems like a spell the whistler can fire and forget, essentially. Maybe? Like, like it tracks down a victim. What I'm getting at, though, is... Because he's in a crowded club and likely to be discovered immediately, that increases the killer's risk of being caught. Mm. Right? At least potentially. In theory, yeah. Which, to me, says that Ben was specifically targeted. That does seem plausible. We we are already surmising that Custer was specifically targeted. Yeah, we just don't know why yet. Exactly. And we don't know if there's any connection between Ben or Custer. And my guess is no, no apparent oh. uh, connection. Not at the moment, anyway. Who knows? Now, obviously, the the knee-jerk thing to think is that the killer was on site to be able to enact the spell. Possibly. So that doesn't necessarily discount the suspicious figures that were pointed out last chapter. No, it does not. And Mm -hmm. suspicion might fall on Beckett very easily because he had a confrontation with Felix that Ben was involved in. Yep. Prior to the murder. Yep. So that's not a good look. Nope. It's not. To go and pick a fight with the band and then one of the band members to immediately end up murdered after you get kicked out of the club. I mean, that's that's not a good look. Right? Yeah. Also, could we connect our our friendly cat drawing demon? I mean, yeah, if he's trying to buy up the club and a murder takes place at the club, that's not great for the club, right? Right? Yeah. 
So we can connect him to Theodore's murder and for sure Ben's murder as being in at least proximity of. Yep. We can't necessarily connect him to Custer, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't somehow. Yeah, lack, we just don't know. La- absence of evidence to, is not evidence of absence. I know. I know. But on the flip side, we can't really connect Beckett to either of the other two murders. No. Necessarily. No, we can't. There were so. vampires at Cornelia's house the night of yeah, Theodore's murder. Yeah, but there was murder. everybody at Cornelia's yeah, house. Yeah, so there's no guarantee that Beckett was or was not there. We don't know that he has any connection to Custer mm-hmm. either. And I mean, these are baseless accusations as well. We might not have met the killer. Jacob could still be the killer. It's true. We already had some suspicion <laughs> on him earlier, right? Yep. So We also know now that the spell is connected to like a strong craving. Yeah, that seems to be part of how it works. And my suspicion is that's what makes you instinctively want to bite your tongue off. Yeah. Is that you're, you've got that crate, like, because Custer was thinking about that delicious pizza. Right. And, and Ben and... was thinking about that that crisp, cool water. Yeah, he was having a big drink and crunching on the ice. And so we know it's connected to, like, a physical craving. Yeah. We also know that our victims are relatively oblivious about it. Yeah. Now that we've had two of them, right? Yeah. That is something similar, is that they are unaware. They don't know they're dying. They don't know they're dead. Well, they we, don't know that they've bitten their own tongues. None of that. We have previously suggested that the the magic almost works in a strangely merciful way. So there might be some aspect of the nature of the killings that's involved with that. These are these are potentially necessary murders to enact a ritual, and the killer is not doing this out of cruelty necessarily. Yes. We, exactly. we had posited that in the previous perimortem, and I think it still bears mentioning now because we have no evidence to suggest that's not the case. And again, because of the very peaceful nature of the murder, for the victim at the very least, the clue is still there. Yeah. We haven't seen anything particularly horrifying and violent yet. Correct. So, so <laughs> now I'm really curious about what's going to happen, right? Because Ben's body, we know, is about to be discovered. Was discovered depending on which chapter end you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I'm willing to bet that all hell's going to break, break loose right now. Oh, for sure. Like the fairies are going to be very upset. The undetectables are on the scene. Mm-hmm. And they're also going to be upset because Ben was a friend of theirs. Yeah. The good news is this is a new avenue of investigation for the case. Like this opens things up. Now they're not dealing with one murder. They're dealing with serial murders that are clearly the same. Because Ben's going to be discovered in the same condition as Custer. Yep, exactly. There's, the similarities are very obvious here, right? Yeah, and, and it can't just be discounted as a copycat killing because Custer's death was kept very hush-hush. Yes. So it's not like there was this big media circus that might have encouraged a copycat killing. It's got to be the same person. Right, exactly. And the fact that they did it in a crowded club, I mean, suddenly now they've got a room full of suspects. So this, That's a this lot is of suspects. as as sad as it is to say, because Ben is dead, this do, this is a huge turning point for their case because it's a ton of clues. Yeah, it's an unfortunately good turning point for the case. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry that it had to be Ben. I liked him. Well, you know, sometimes sometimes the victims are people we like to make it have emotional weight. It stung. So the question then also becomes: If Ben was actively targeted. Was he targeted because of his proximity to people investigating the case? Was he specifically targeted because he's a fairy? Was it completely random? Was he another victim of convenience? Maybe. Maybe our killer did need a fairy and happened to find one alone in a room. Yeah. Right? And it happened to be Ben. Or is there something special about Ben? 
that it had to be Ben. Don't know. Don't know. We don't know a lot about Ben. Want to find out. Yeah. Maybe we'll find out as we move into chapter 11, which you'll want to read up on in time for next week. It was a bit of a shorter episode this week, but a bit of a shorter chapter. Short chapter. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, do get that read up on and then also maybe give us a little rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. We always appreciate those. Yeah. I keep mentioning it because it does help us out. Uh, You can also reach out to us on social media. Absolutely. We are on X, formerly Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Goodreads, and now Blue Sky. We are at the read along for most of those. Yeah, as an offshoot of Instagram, we are also on threads. That's worth worth mentioning as well. Oh, I suppose, yeah. Uh, you can also, of course, send us an email. Yes, we are the read along at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much and we'll see you next time. Poor Ben. So sad. Thank you for joining us on The Read-Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois. All read-along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read-Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Thank you.